0: Radio has changed our lives, and that's what they've saved our lives. The terrible smoke of you will hear the sounds of our
1: phones. My son, He cut that poor girl in half while she was still alive.
2: What's up to our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're listening to the Cannibal Horror Cast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Johnny Destructo. With me this week is Mark underscore L underscore Miller from Ain't It Cool News. Hey. As well as Christian Dabari. Yo. And Stephen Andrade. Hello. And special guest star Justin Jordan. Hello. Hey, buddy. What do you do? Tell the people something.
1: Oh, I write comic books uh, Nerd. relevant to a to a horror kind of thing. I write the comic book spread, which is basically uh, "What if John Carpenter's The Thing ate North America?"
3: <laughs> <laughs> plus, uh, plus, and um, I also write
1: other kind of kind of semi horror related stuff. The uh, the Luther Strode series is probably my best known work, and it's uh, definitely horror influenced, uh, although it's kind of a mixture of superheroes and slasher kind of tropes.
4: And I saw um, just recently you announced you got a big DC project coming up, right?
1: Is I do. I, uh, I'm i involved with their uh, Dark Matter Universe uh, project, which is spinning out of the big metal event that Scott Snyder's doing. So I'm co-writing a book called Sideways with uh, Dan DiDio, which is really cool. We've got Kenneth Rockefeller on art.
2: Oh, he's um, so and good. Doing,
1: uh, right now I've got a book coming out from Vertigo at DC called Savage Things, which actually melds uh spy thriller with uh horror um and not in the lovecraftian sense more uh, psychological kind of horror
4: yeah I, I i like that book that book that's a really good one
1: oh thanks man yeah.
2: luther strode still one of my like favorite books i love that that was such a great run all, all three of those miniseries were dope
1: i'm thank you i am really pleased with it um it's one of those books and, it, and it's rare um and it's especially odd since you know strode was one of the Strobe was the first thing I broke an industry on. Is that when I go back and reread the books, which that alone is rare for me, but I do occasionally go through them again. There's really nothing I can find that I could do better. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that it's perfect, but it is certainly the best thing that I can do, which is really you know helped out by having Trad Moore and Philippe Zabrero uh, on with me.
0: Mm-hmm. That's We're
1: impressive. We're a, uh, and this is this is going to be have a brief moment of pimpery. Uh, we're doing a hardcover omnibus of all three series that'll be out in October.
2: Nice. I, I have, uh... yeah,
1: and it's actually uh, slightly cheaper than buying all three trades. Oh shit! Yeah, I, I didn't realize that until after the fact. the The hardcover omnibus is like fifty bucks, uh, and the trades are like fifteen, eighteen, and eighteen. So you save like a dollar <laughs> if you buy the hardcover.
2: Nice. Well, that'll make it you, easier for a lot me to of sell stuff for a dollar these days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get cracking. We're here to talk about horror. I have thought it would be fun to sort of maybe go round table. Uh, we're not at a round table. And discuss something that we would recommend horror-related uh, that we're all enjoying in our lives. I think I'm going to go with Hannibal, seasons two and three. Fuck it, all, all three seasons. That show is amazing. Uh, I'm just now getting through, I'm like halfway through season three. And it's such a beautiful, haunting disgusting gory tv show and the writing is sort of poetic and beautiful and can be over the top at times but uh i've been along for the ride i think it's such a great challenging watch i was really i'm surprised at the fact that it was just a regular cable network television right
1: mm. yeah it was nbc I yeah i'm yeah. continually astonished that uh that show actually made it onto uh nbc
4: exactly um, <clears throat> And it's the same guys that are doing uh, American Gods now.
5: Yep, right. <laughs> yes, Brian Ford.
4: And you can really tell um, with just the way that that uh, show is made. It's that just visually, I think they have a lot of really good. Um, that they they've carried over those uh, those visuals uh, mm-hmm. to American Gods, in the dream sequences and like there's a bison with flaming eyes instead of a um, instead of a like a deer with crazy antlers or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> There's always that deer in Hannibal. <laughs> That's always
1: cool. Ah, <laughs> well, yeah, the Wendigo. Yeah.
4: yeah.
2: Um, they yeah, also yeah. had done, um, what was it? Uh, Gra- no, not Gravity Falls.
1: Wonder Falls. Wonder
2: Falls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay.
2: And, um, Pushing Daisies.
1: Huh. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. I, uh, I'm pretty much a mark for anything Brian Fuller does. Yeah. Uh, so.
2: <laughs> it's a shame nobody else is cause he's like the king of getting shows canceled.
1: <laughs> uh, I know, right?
5: Yeah. yeah. It's a shame. He's it's so talented, and and I really admire his work. He's got such an artist eye mm-hmm. for putting this together. Hannibal was absolutely my favorite when it was on the air. Uh, NBC just didn't know what the fuck to do with it, I think. And uh, they were scared of it, but they didn't want to say anything, I guess, maybe. I don't know, because I, I, like you guys, I share the same feelings as, wow, I can't believe this made it on, you know, just – regular tv like you yep. know it was it was brutal um but yeah yeah really really great great stuff um shame it didn't continue but hey three seasons that's not bad the uh I didn't like it.
3: you didn't like it <laughs> i liked yeah. the first season and after that i was just like oh come on <laughs> i think we talked about this in an earlier podcast like yeah. mads mickelson looks like he eats people it's like yeah, come yeah. on obviously he's eating people <laughs> and how many artistic serial killers are there in the dc area Like Every serial killer is creating these masterworks. Well, I mean, that's a
2: problem with any Freak of the Week formatted television show, and they eventually do break away from that. Um, Even before halfway through season two, I think they sort of shy away from the Freak of the Week thing. Um, Yeah. But I think my biggest problem with season three is one of – I'm not going to spoil it, but one of the characters gets mad at another character who's generally – like this character is a good – character generally and they get mad at another character and their entire demeanor changes like the hairstyle changes that the clothes change they start talking evil and it's like just because <laughs> you're mad at a dude doesn't mean all of a sudden like you dress differently <laughs> just knock it off Yeah. But, um, anyway um christian what are you what are you enjoying anything uh
5: well i don't know i haven't really had too much time to get into too much in terms of like you know movies uh well you know tv stuff uh i don't really think i've watched any like horror based uh i think the only thing that's going on right now is i'm working on something horror based and that's hellraiser so yeah i'm enjoying that because it's clive barker and it's directly through clive barker it's uh the anthology series that he's been putting out himself not through boom so it's a big difference i guess he can just do whatever he wants now uh where boom was probably just trying to keep it a little somewhat lighter in mm-hmm. terms of the content um but yeah short story uh I'm doing and uh that's that's pretty damn fun but i probably will crack into the Friday Thirteenth game this weekend when it unlocks. Oh, I'm so um, excited! Yeah, that's looking like a lot of fun. So that will probably be my thing um, in terms of horror entertainment. Nice.
1: Uh, yeah, I was actually curious if that uh, if that Friday Thirteenth game was out. I don't really game, so it's probably all the same to me. But I was still curious.
5: Yeah, it's it's um it's been a long time coming. But the thing is, they've got like Tom Savini to work on it, and uh, he did. Throw a lot of input into a lot of the kill scenes from Jason, but uh, I was showing uh, Steven earlier the live stream that's been going on on YouTube. Uh, if you go on YouTube and just type in "Friday the Thirteenth game," you'll see like tons of videos and and live streamers. But it's pretty entertaining because they really nailed the aesthetic of the movies of like you know from the first one. Well, I think probably from the first one to like maybe the sixth one. They don't go to Manhattan or
3: any of that stuff. as it was. Yeah,
5: exactly. So, I mean, they just keep it in in Crystal Lake and they have it set mainly in, like, the late 70s and early 80s. You can customize your character, you know, flat tops and, like, mullets (laughs) and all that stuff. Sweet. Yeah, it looks great. Like, the characters look great. And the bit that I was showing uh, or telling the guys is that um, if you find the mother's sweater and you put it on and go up to them and she goes – Jason, it's your mother. And then he freezes, and then the other player can come up from behind and hit him with an axe or a baseball bat and knock him down. So you can, like, run and try to get the parts for the car to get the hell out of there. So it's pretty cool. I, I, I'm eager. I'm hoping it's going to be really as as good as it looks. So. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope it's rad. Yeah, I was yeah. watching a
2: playthrough today earlier, and it looks awesome. I'm really excited about it.
4: Yeah, it's uh I I think it's going to actually get me into gaming because I don't do games at all, but I'm definitely going to play this play that game It should be fun.
2: Yeah, the last horror game I think I played was uh Alan Wake and I played that all the way through and I fucking loved it. I played it in the middle of the night and I was constantly like jumping and yeah. screaming. Oh, I had a great time. That's a great yeah. game. The
4: last one I played was, uh, Galaga. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, that's kind of where I am. I, uh...
0: Centipede.
1: <laughs> I, I think the last, uh... Well, the last horror thing that I arguably played was Call of Duty Zombies, which is appropriate, because I, like, wrote the comic, uh... Or maybe uh, The Last of Us. Although in The Last of Us I was mostly actually sitting there just watching my friend play through so we could see the cut because they're really good.
4: Yeah, they uh, are. Did you see uh, Girl with All the Gifts? Uh, we talked about how The Last of Us was very much like that.
1: I have not seen Girl with All the Gifts. I've read the book. Uh, I have not gotten around to seeing the movie yet. Uh, I just – I don't have a, big chance, a lot of chance to see – movies and stuff until they they hit the kind of netflix kind of thing and even then like I'm always sort of behind on what's actually on yeah,
2: yeah. that's
4: another good one definitely
2: I'm reading the novel now as well it's pretty good cool, cool. bug what are you doing
4: uh, I'm reading a couple of things uh, one of them is uh, the uh, I'm finishing up Providence with by Alan Moore and it's just I don't know if you guys have read the book or if yeah, you guys just don't like is, Alan Moore that but, series is whacked it it uh it, it, I just I just love how how dense it is and it takes I, I don't know I, I read it before I go to bed so sometimes I, I fall asleep but uh, it's just it's such a dense read that uh, it takes a while so I'm, I'm just finishing up that and I I just that is just such a twisted story and, and uh, so well written have you guys read Providence
2: yeah, I read I the first issue I did.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's it's very impressive how he's managed to kind of take everything Lovecraft did and kind of work it into this world. It's kind of yeah. it's almost like take like what he did with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, although in this case it's just drawing from just basically what Lovecraft did and then the other people who followed. But then also working in like real life stuff. Like the, uh, in the very end of it, uh, S.T. Joshi, who's like the Uh, eminent Lovecraft scholar of the 21st century is one of the characters there. So it's just, it's just like blends together like reality and the fiction in a really interesting way. Plus there's, you know, lots of uh, fish people fucking. So that's there too. (laughs) Yeah. And and, uh, I also just love the
4: way it kind of just shows you the story all the way through. And then at the end, there's this like, journal that the lead character is writing and so not only do you get to see just the broad story play out and this guy he's kind of walking obliviously through all this stuff um but you also get to see it from his perspective and how he's sort of slowly understanding what's happening to him and what's happening around him and that's that's just a really uh really kind of sophisticated way of telling stories that i just i loved it
1: Oh that's rad. I like the I like the stuff him and Jason Burroughs have worked on uh in the past uh, in that kind of stuff the Necronomicon kind of mm, uh-huh. uh, that's not yeah, all... Neonomicon, yeah. By the end of the
0: uh, series that kind of it ties stuff. But I haven't been around reading
1: Providence It's always that kind of thing of uh I just never read stuff in singles anymore. I I am part <laughs> of the problem.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, this one is yeah, I mean it the last issue just came out like like a couple weeks ago so um i finally was able to wrap that up so it's fun
2: and justin jordan what do you got
1: gosh what do i got uh mostly been busy writing horror um i really enjoyed baskin uh or half of it anyhow
5: baskin oh yeah that's a good one that's i like yeah it's uh
1: turkish i want to say uh...
0: yeah
5: turkish
3: film there's mm-hmm. aspects of that that um are very similar to some of the stuff we're going yeah. yeah. you know, to talk I, about yeah
1: uh, i agree i that's probably probably why it was on my mind i it 's not the last thing I watched it was the last thing I watched that I really liked. The last thing I think I actually watched was uh not the Void, which I did really like the void also, but uh the last thing I watched was abattoir, which uh was <laughs> a frustrating movie but um yeah. Baskin, yeah, baskin had uh, like there's like half the movie that I was really bored, and then half the movie, like, was really viscerally affecting. Um, And I don't know that I would say that I enjoyed it, but I kept being creeped out and thinking about it for weeks afterwards, which I think Mm. is probably a good thing for a horror movie. (laughs)
4: Uh, It's, I mean, that, by the end of the movie, it's like, it's weird because it seems like they really made it cheaply, but he's zoomed in on all of these really odd, like, you didn't even know what exactly was going on at first uh, in in this like hell that they all find themselves into, and then then they kind of pull back a little bit, and it's like this guy's getting raped by a demon and stuff like that. It's just yeah. crazy, but uh, uh, but yeah, it's it, they they did a really good job of of doing a lot on a on a low budget. It seems. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree, and the and the visuals were particularly they were really striking, and they were not like you've mostly seen, uh, or at least like I've mostly seen for uh, Hell kind of related stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. They were, you know, they were a little bit, uh, you know, there were were aspects that you could say, oh, it's a little bit like Silent Hill or a little bit like this and like that, but it was kind of its own thing in a way that I really appreciated. But just the overall cinematography and I think the editing, like especially in the back half of that movie really worked for me. It was kind of... Again, I was on kind of a wavelength that it was it was hitting the buttons that it needed to push for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good one.
2: Yeah. Right on. Well, let's move on to The Void. Uh, 2016, uh, IMDB has this to say about it. Shortly after delivering a patient to an understaffed hospital, a police officer experiences strange and violent occurrences seemingly linked to a group of mysterious hooded figures. Directors Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Tostansky uh, stars Alan Poole, Kenneth Walsh, and Daniel Fathers. Here
1: is the trailer. Boop, boop, doop. Haven't you ever wished to save someone? Beyond saving? No matter what the cost? This is uncharted territory.
0: The body has to adjust, of course. We weren't built for this kind of thing. You'd be surprised at the things you find when you go looking. There is something calling them all here.
5: What if those people get in here? What are we supposed to do?
0: You saw it? What was that?
2: So, uh this is another film that we got a hold of and I had absolutely no idea what to expect. We got a screener and I went in, bl- you know, blind. I like to try to avoid trailers whenever possible for things like this and avoid. I just Avoid Avoid <laughs> Ah, that's the end of the show. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> um and uh so yeah, so I was really had no idea what to expect from this film and I was a little skeptical at first, but the further into what I got, I really started to get wrapped up into the story, the mystery, and holy shit, by the end of this film, I was all about it. Um, I don't want to give any spoilers just yet. We'll get to a spoiler portion a little later, but I thought that the end was bombastic, crazy, uh, disgusting, uh, enigmatic, and a lot of fun. Uh, what did you think, Justin? Justin?
1: Oh, I loved it. I uh, It was basically kind of a mixture of all my favorite John Carpenter movies and everything Lovecraft, yeah. um, which is interesting. I was, I was telling my buddy, who's a big fan of Lovecraft, and he's a fan of Lovecraft, like, across the board. Mostly, I find when people are talking about Lovecraft, they're thinking of, like, the Cthulhu mythos stuff, but this actually, like trying not to get into the spoiler areas was basically like everything like it was Lovecraftian in every way that you could be Lovecraftian except for mm. not being set in New England um, mm. because there was like oh here's you know but mystic arts but like weird science and like crazy cultists and like police on the bad end of things and like people going crazy and like I was like wow this is really kind of gets the spirit of like everything that I loved about Lovecraft kind of across the board um, which was I was impressed by and you know I, I think the movie probably cost like seven dollars to make so I was really <laughs> impressed at how good it looked too yeah
5: um, Christian to echo what justin just said it's uh it's a blast and yeah there's a lot of carpenter there's definitely lovecraft there was a little bit of clive barker in there um it had a rad score it was shot really really well It, it had a lot of good tense moments and atmosphere um but the the thing is is that what i loved one of the main things I loved about it was the use of practical effects ah, again.
2: Yep. You know,
5: it, it just kind of warmed my heart, you know, it was like one of those moments where I was like, it's so nice to finally see that again, because you don't see that so often, and they were just kind of like, fuck it, you know, even even though I know uh, on a personal basis, uh, speaking to the director about it, um, he uh, he said that, you know, it, yeah, they just, it really didn't have a budget, like, other films do so and and then i'm not making excuses for them but i was more impressed what with what they actually pulled off do you know what i mean yeah i don't think
2: mentioning the budget is a detriment to the film i think it's impressive
5: (laughs) yeah i mean they they literally said that it was like the shooting budget was 1.5 million Mm -hmm. and then they they, yeah Yeah. and then they, they went to indiegogo and they raised um I don't know, it was something like just under 90 million – I'm sorry, ninety ninety thousand to finish some of the other practical effects, I think, were towards the end of the film. And it was a really complicated uh, process because it was basically like they shot all this stuff and they had to wait, 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 and then deal with all the crowdfunding nonsense and then just finish everything. It was just – it was crazy, but so – Yeah, I look at it like, you know what, man, these guys get like serious fucking props from me because they made a film that's so much fun and did all these cool things that I'd miss so much seeing in a a new film, you know, that it's like, you know, there were some people that came to me that were like really pissed off, you know, and like upset, like, oh, that made no sense, you know, whatever. And I'm like, whatever. Really? Like, yeah, there's a couple friends of mine. They just they're they're a little too. Uh, critical huh. and they, they don't want to give something a chance you know and I, I i got their points that's fine everybody has different you know opinions on things but they were really brutal about it and i was huh. like that's just not fair i these guys had very limited resource yeah and i thought they did a really awesome you know movie so why just tear that apart like so quickly i want to i want to hear
2: just... more about that later in the spoiler section i want to know what their, sure. what their big problems were oh yeah yeah, yeah, I'll bring that up.
1: Yeah. I actually, uh, I was thinking. I actually think this is one of those movies where the low budget um, might have actually benefited them, uh, just because that's one of the things. Like, if you have limitations and you are a skilled filmmaker, or uh, you know, it applies to other arts too. But in, in relation to film there were some times when they were, I'm guessing, shooting around what they needed to do with the practical effects in a way that made it way creepier than if you had seen more. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that aspect of things is underappreciated. I think that's one of the things that makes some of the really good practical effects movies from, from back in the day really work is when the director knows what to show and what not to show. Um, Jaws. They did a really, really good job of that. Yeah,
2: Definitely. yeah I agree. Uh, ambush bug, Mike, uh, yes. Mark underscore, underscore Miller. <laughs>
1: that's, yeah, that's I don't
2: know what just happened. Days. I'm sorry.
4: Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I, I, agree with everybody. I think this is a great film. Um, I too have heard people criticize it because of some of the ambiguity, but, uh, I, I love it because of that. It really feels like the tip of an, of the iceberg that we saw with this movie. And I'd love to have them. Continue to explore and and just develop because you don't get a lot of explanation uh, for a lot of the stuff that's going on. It's just a lot of really crazy stuff and uh, and I just I like that. It feels like uh, an actual world that uh, we're just that they're just kind of pulling a little bit of the curtain back for it for us to see. And, um, and I I do agree that I think the budget probably had something to do with that as well. But it just feels like there's a lot of rich mining that they can do in that world that they've created with this. And uh and so it's it's that that's what I like about it because movies like Nightbreed and Hellraiser um kind of did the same thing and they went on well, Nightbreed didn't, but uh Hellraiser <laughs> went on to uh to have some pretty shitty uh, sequels. But um still that world is, is uh is a fleshed out one and uh I felt like it had the same sort of aspects. As, mm. as uh, the void,
2: right on, Steven, What you got, buddy?
3: Okay, I'm gonna not shit on it, but I will <laughs> say that I feel like I need to see this movie again because there are parts of it that I loved, uh, like the practical effects. That was my favorite thing in the movie, um, right from the the first couple, just like uh, smaller practical effects to some of the, uh, some of the really like mind blowing crap that comes later. Um, I loved all that. I loved the Lovecraftian elements, like you said, Justin. It's it's Lovecraft without being strictly Lovecraft. You know, they don't have to name drop anything, but it's got the feel. Um, but I feel like there was something missing that I don't know what it is. If it's the pacing or something about the characters, and it's funny because. One of the movies that this reminded me of a lot is uh, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Yes, And that's a movie that I have the same feeling about where I watch it and I want to like it more than I do. Like every time I've seen it, I'm like, I really want to like this. And there are some moments that I just love. But then at the end of it, I'm like, there's something missing for me. So I feel like uh, they accomplished a hell of a lot. There's a lot of amazing shots, a lot of – really fantastic, horrific, creepy scenes in this movie. Uh, I just, I would like to see what comes next for them because I think there is a lot of creativity and definitely, uh, you know, working on the low budget, it has led to a lot of really creative and interesting decisions. And I want to see more from them. But like I said, for this movie, I feel like I need to watch it again and see if it was just... You know, just going into it blind, or and if now knowing what happens, I'll appreciate it more, or if there is just something that, you know, pacing wise or something just bothers me. So
2: I'll agree that I I do want to rewatch it actually. I think I enjoyed it so much, um, at Mm -hmm. least the ending bits, that I do want to rewatch it and hopefully appreciate more of the beginning of the film. Yeah, Yeah. it it took me a little bit to get over
1: it. There were a couple of things there were a couple of things that happened in the movie that as I was watching it that I was like, wait a minute, that actually got explained as the movie went on. They don't, they don't explicitly explain them, but like, once you know the full context of what's going on, they actually retrospectively fit. Um, Which I was actually impressed by. I was like, that's, Like, by, like, about halfway through the movie, I'm like, I like this, but the script's kind of ropey. And by the end of it, I was like, no, never mind. I take it back. Like, that's, it's pretty tight. Like, Mm -hmm. there's stuff I didn't like about the script, but the stuff that was kind of bothering me about the first chunk of it was sort of addressed by the second chunk, which is kind of rarer than you would think Mm -hmm. in movies and stuff. It's also Mm, my favorite
2: sort of storytelling. Mm. I, I yeah, like agreed. I like that you're given a couple of puzzle pieces and then you think, well, these puzzle pieces don't fit together, but then they've put it together in such a way at the end you go, ah, fuck, it all fits, cool.
4: And I also think that like it, I always have like a mindset like of comics uh, a lot of times, and in comics it's like you have to have you have to basically explain a lot, and it in the first issue. Otherwise it's like people won't be back for the second one, second one. And in this movie, it's all one chunk where you just sit down and you watch the whole thing. So they can kind of afford to, uh, just take their time in explaining it and just throw a bunch of weird stuff at you, um, in the beginning. And they, you have to catch up to that. So I, Oh think yeah. That that I, uh,
1: actually had, was having conversations with people about that, uh, just slightly tangent, uh, about American gods, the show, mm-hmm. um, because I love American Gods, the show, but I feel like it's completely incom- Especially the first episode feels like to me if you didn't know what it was about, and you ha- or you know, if you know what it's about and have seen the advertising, you're probably okay. If you've read the book, you're great. But if you were going into that completely blind, I feel like the first episode does not explain anything. Like I don't think I could have told you what the central conflict of the whole show was if I had just watched that.
4: Yeah, having um, just seen that first episode, I, I I totally agree with you. And I don't know anything about the book, or, or like, I mean, I know, I know the basic concept. I've heard about it through the years, but um, but yeah, it, it's it, and uh, the people that I watched it with, they were just kind of like, well, I don't really know what's going on. I like what I'm seeing, but I don't really know what's going on. So, it's,
1: well, you know, even within that first episode of it, like, I guess, kind of mild spoiler they never mention the word God. Like, that never appears in the show. So, like, (laughs) if you don't know who X person is, like, good fucking luck. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like,
0: uh,
1: which, on one hand, and, and I was debating this because of the comic thing, right? Because I also am conditioned to tell things in kind of a serialized format where you need to... Even though my storytelling can sometimes be more oblique than is maybe typical in comics, there's still, like, you need to front-load into a first issue, yeah. like, at least the core concept. Like, I think if you read Spread, you get to the end of the first issue of Spread, you at least know what Spread is about. You're like, okay, this is a dude taking a baby, and there's monsters, and he's trying to save the world. Like, yeah. you know, And uh, and The Void does not do that. The Void... Does not play its cards until at least halfway through the movie. Like, there's lots of cool shit going on in the first half, but in terms of understanding what it all means, like, uh, it takes its time, um, which is something I don't know that you can get away with as easily in in a non-movie format. And he, honestly, even for a movie, it's kind of it takes uh, it takes balls, and I think that's one of the things that comes from being um, independent because yeah. i know certainly uh working in comics and and my kind of tangential involvement in some television stuff like there is this great urge to assume your audience is an idiot and explain everything as explicitly <laughs> as possible as early as possible which uh this movie does not do
4: mm. Mm. yeah definitely yeah and it's I, and you're right i think that some people can uh you know, if if you're like a, a Grant Morrison or uh, or Neil Gaiman, uh, they can kind of afford to say, okay, well, you'll get it later on. And even if you're a Justin Jordan, I think you you have your fans that are going to stick with you, uh, you know, along for the ride, and you don't have to explain everything. But I think that uh, I definitely think that uh, um, it's when you're an in, in independent or just like starting out in in whatever medium it is. Yeah, it's I think that's kind of necessary to do that.
3: Yeah, and I think that um, I don't think they needed to necessarily load any more information like in the top of the movie. Like you know, a lot of that's a lot of problem with the the horror movies that are more conventional is they they do like spell everything out pretty pretty much straight away. And I do like the mystery aspect of it. Like I said, I think my problem is not with the the mystery. I I actually really like that aspect. I think it's it's more of a just maybe edited thing. Maybe just like like I said, I, I think it comes down to pacing. Because there's a lot of really intense, really crazy shit that happens pretty much at the beginning. And then there's like kind of a big lull in the middle before it starts getting to the climax. So I think that's one of the things that uh, kept me from loving the movie. Oh,
1: hmm. uh, well, I think it does. Um, and this is one of those things that like, assuming you agree, it's one of the deals where – it's going to come down to personal taste. Is like one thing the movie does is, for me, I thought, moves across a wide range of horror um, in terms of, like, the kind of horror it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts out with some, you know, kind of visceral sort of, like, people on people. And then there's body horror. But then it moves into, by the end, just cosmic horror. Mm-hmm. For lack of a better term, which I don't think, I don't think given the name of the movie is probably a spoiler. Um, <laughs> but, and I think that mm-hmm. tonal shift will either work for you or it won't. Yeah, mm. and I think I,
4: I do think that even though the sh- the tone has sh- tone shifts, um, it's all kind of consistently unraveling um, as you find out more. It I, it does all connect. It's not just a hodgepodge of weird stuff people are just tossing at you i mean there there's a connection there there's a there's like a, a sort of sense to this world that's going that's unraveling there in front of you so uh they, they do a good job of that just showing little bits and pieces and then keep on, they keep on pulling back the camera and showing a bigger world and more evil and more twisted stuff happening um but it never Oof. felt like it never felt like all of a sudden you know there's a there's a panda bear with blood shooting out its eyes. Or something. It's, it, it never felt like they were just like making shit up as they went along. It felt like it was all part of one uh, kind of solid piece. I want to read Panda yeah, Blood, I the agree. comic um,
1: Yeah, the idea that it, it feels like like the tip of an iceberg, I think, is true. And one of the things I really appreciate about it with you get... You get this sense of, I don't necessarily want a franchise out of it, but you get the sense of there's such a developed world kind of going on underneath the surface that you only sort of see chunks of. Um, yeah. You see enough to understand the story, but it, it, it gives you leave really this impression that there's this vast story that you're just kind of seeing one small part of. Um, yeah. Which, again, I think is actually, you know, kind of Lovecraftian. And if you even go back to uh, the actual, like, Call of Cthulhu story, which is sort of an epistolary uh, tale um, told through letters and journals and that kind of stuff, you get this sense of cults in this world moving that the characters that are kind of narrating this to you are only getting a little piece of Um, and I think the movie actually gives that to you, to the the viewer, fairly well.
4: Yeah, it's almost like I would like to see more stories told in this world rather than just The Void 2 and then just more of the same stuff. It's just still set in this world. Yeah, you
2: guys keep talking about how you wanted more from this, and I was like, no, I don't want any more. This is such a (laughs) nice little vignette, like one story, one and done. uh, There's not
5: going to be – they're not going to do sequels. Good, good. I feel like
2: like having the limited information that we have is what makes it so effective, and I think that mining this for further stories might just ruin this experience for me. But yeah. um, let's let's get into spoilers. I think everyone, well, God, fucking Steven. Ah, uh, ev- most mo- four what? out of five cannibals what? say that it's pretty good.
3: Um, <laughs> I'm usually the asshole. Stephen's the it. asshole. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I liked a lot of aspects of it. Just yeah. like I need to watch it again. I think and see. <laughs> If I ever have the same reaction, like I said, it's it's Prince of Darkness all over. A Movie that has lots of great parts, but as a whole, I just for me it just doesn't come together.
2: It sounds like you're slipping into the void. Is everything all right? That was crazy. Did anyone else hear that? Someone there was a lot of. I heard of...
5: it. I heard it. That was pretty cool. Okay.
2: Um, like all right. So from here on out, we're going to be talking about spoilers. I wish I had a spoiler stinger. Someone make us a spoiler stinger.
1: Um, spoiler like
2: a pew, pew, pew! Spoiler time! It's... Spo- spoilers. spoilers! Spoilers. All right, so let's talk about the film. Let's talk about the spoilers, son. Who's got something? What do you want?
4: Well, I, I mean, I did want to mention that I, I think that this is a, a really nice cast um, that they put together for this. Um, I Specifically, the... The guy, the the lead guy, um, and I have to pull up his his name here. Is it Aaron Pool? What's his name?
2: Aaron Poole?
4: Aaron Pool. Yeah, and he he reminds me a lot of Jesse from Breaking Bad. He just yeah. seems like this. Um, uh, but uh, he uh he was also in this movie called uh, The Last Temptation of Rosalind Lee. I believe that's what it was called, Um, or The Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee, and uh, he was just – he's just a kind of like a cool everyman kind of guy, but not your typical leader, like lead in the movie. Um, uh, You know, he he was just kind of – he's kind of like a smaller guy, a little bit more – he's not a big muscular, like – or an old wizened cop. He's like a young cop, uh, like a young guy, but – still it feels like he's been in this town forever um, not a lot of stuff is going on he's sitting on that dirt road um, just asleep at the wheel or asleep at, at in his car and this thing they, i mean literally this guy stumbles out there and out of the woods and uh that's how that's how he gets pulled into this world um otherwise he would have been probably just sleeping the rest of the night there mm-hmm. um, at the at that place so uh it's, I, I just think he did a good job in the lead role there. He was He, just, he was. impressive. He was also in a movie called Consp- The Conspiracy, which is another really good horror movie as the, well. Those
3: so. both are really good if you haven't seen them. They used to be on Netflix. I don't know if either of them still are. Yeah. But uh, both of them are very excellent, slow burn, kind of like paranoia horror movies. Yeah. I thought
2: his performance gave me a sense of, holy fuck, I'm out of my element. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I'm immediately in over my head on this this whole thing. So I, I actually kind of enjoyed that. He wasn't like a uh, John McClane just running in there to like murder people. Um, I, I like that he had a more realistic response to the situation.
4: I also really liked uh, the the intern. She was great, and how basically she was she was out of her element as well. I mean, she was doesn't even know how to do anything. She's just a student, but they're asking her to like. Perform like a, a like give birth to a baby and uh and all of this stuff. Well she's deliver, like, a or,
2: yeah, deliver a baby. Yeah, deliver baby, sorry. <laughs> Quickly <laughs> but, just give um, birth to something. Yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but um it, I mean she doesn't know how like any of the stuff works, and she's sitting there just showing the patients like shit she's pulling out of her, her medical books, and it's yeah. just doing everything you shouldn't be doing, but um it she was just a really likable character.
2: Yeah, Ellen like Wong her. played her. Yeah,
4: yeah, she's good. She's good. She Knives was in Scott Chow. Pilgrim. Knives
2: Chow! Oh, my
4: God!
1: <laughs> Holy what? shit! Yep, that was Knives Chow. Oh, good Nobody for I, I, her. I was like, I don't think I've seen her in anything since Scott Pilgrim, and she was awesome in Scott Pilgrim. So I, I,
2: that, I, I kept waiting for her to blow up after Scott Pilgrim. I thought she was so charming, and I was like, oh, she's going someplace. And then, nope.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree. It was weird. I uh I and I hope she gets more work after this, so
2: Wow. Oh man. I loved her in, in Scott Pilgrim. I thought she was really effective in here as being completely dislikable.
4: Oh, <laughs> you didn't like her? She's
2: the opposite of knives chow. I was like this oh, she's the worst.
4: Uh no,
1: I, I you- uh I didn't like her and then I did. Like it was one of those things like she just gets such a shitty deal over the course of the movie that you like can't help or at least I couldn't help but feel for her like here, you might need to do a C-section on this teenage girl where monsters are in the building and, you know, all that good kind of stuff. Like, good luck. Like,
4: yeah. yeah, She's like, I don't even get a paycheck for this. I have to, like, you know, she's got to get this for college credit, basically. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it, I I just think that that's just, it was just interesting, just a lot of, it was an interesting take on a character that, yeah. um, and also a very realistic take on a character because, once again, the the all the, like, the older doctor, he's kind of he's kind of killed very early on so anyone with real real medical uh experience is gone so mm-hmm. it's like this you've got this kind of bumbling cop you've got this you've got an intern and you've got like a, a crazy guy like a crazy guy with a gun and uh, a prisoner like there's it's just this weird mix of people um oh and i i forgot about like the the pregnant lady and her dad, mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. grandpa, which mm-hmm. that was just like a weird relationship there as well um mm-hmm. uh so yeah there's a lot of there it, it was a fun mix of of just different people that were definitely all of them out of their element basically mm-hmm. yeah
1: i thought it was uh i thought it was well cast too I thought uh Kenneth Walsh as the doctor uh villain guy was really yeah. good I don't know
3: if you guys remember he uh he's a twin Peaks guy yeah. Uh, Yep. Oh yeah. Jesus, I didn't yeah. even recognize him. I that just outcome. started
2: Twin Peaks yesterday.
3: Uh, oh. Episode yeah, one, season too.
2: one.
4: Yeah, you're uh, <laughs> in for a, a fun trip, an interesting trip. Yes, yes. <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah, he was great. Um, and it, it it was a lot of fun seeing him raise rise from the dead and then turn bad and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and be like the kind of I don't know the he's he he's the one that kind of opens the portal Mm -hmm. there. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that all the way through the tactile kind of human horror stuff, I think is the strongest part of the movie. Mm -hmm. I do. I I do think that like when it gets a little bit more vague, um, you're going to lose some people. And and I think that uh, when it goes into the trans dimensional stuff, um, it, I, it didn't lose me but it was it was uh i could i could tell that like some of the people in the room that i saw it with were not uh were not buying it <laughs>
1: well you know there's stuff like for instance it does not explain like in the text like for instance there's one part where they go back and try to go out to the police car and it's way the fuck away from the hospital which is <laughs> not where he parked it
0: yeah.
1: uh and it's not and it's clear by the end of the movie that this transdimensional warping has just fucked up the spatial distance because when they go out again, it's back where it was yeah. after the thing is closed. But like, they don't tell you that; like, you have to put that together on your own. Like,
4: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I just pictured the guys in the hood or in the in the robes. They were just like picking up the car and they were like <laughs> fucking with it. They're like, hup, 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 hup,
2: hup. <laughs> it's funny. I didn't actually notice that. My question was, where the fuck are the guys with the robes? They're like five feet out the door. They can see them out the door and then they go to go to the car and then there's just no dudes there.
5: Yeah. Well, they yeah. Is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're taking it. Yeah, they all had to take. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I look, I, I actually really loved that first scene when he's outside and there's just all of them. Right. Yeah. him. thought that was great. Just a yeah. great shot. It was just mm-hmm. very creepy, weird, it was, you know, I'm thinking like, are they all gonna rush him? You know, that kind of stuff. And and it was just like the one I believe that rushed him with a knife. Um, and there's a lot of moments like that, a lot of tense moments, which I I actually really enjoyed. You know, I don't want to give away way too much, but the scene with the crazy dude that was supposed to be, I guess, he's supposed to be the junkie. Um, I really loved how. Like the the whole bit about like the cop trying to just keep him restrained while the dude with the shotgun and the dude that wasn't talking, you know, came in to like wipe him out, you know, because of the stuff in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And it was really puzzling for a while because it's like, what the fuck happened until they like kind of sort of tell you a little bit in that like Mm -hmm. that weird dream like um, they were like stepping into that memory, I guess, was what was happening there. Yeah. It, it was risky, but it, they, I felt like they pulled it off well enough. Uh, I would have preferred a little bit more of it just so there's just a little bit more uh, information on him and whatever. But, I mean, that's what I felt like the movie did really well is that when there was a tense situation, that really amped it up a lot. Like even the scene where um, he walks in, the cop walks in to the room, and there's a nurse in there. And he sees ah. the scalpel in the, the dude's eye, and then she turns around and she's peeling off her face, and she's oh, like, yeah. oh, "Not my face!" I was like, oh, "Nice," you know, like I got excited, like, <laughs> you know. I was like, "This is fucking awesome," because it's yeah. like yeah. you don't see that kind of shit in like in in theatrical big studio type movies because they're like no we can't do that people won't like that you know mm. you know that's their thought process it's like yeah. no, no no test screening they'll they'll hate that they'll think it's disgusting and well i think too many people think of
4: horror and they think it's like like oh it's a time you can go into the theater and you can jump and and laugh and uh i think i think the best kind of horror to me at least it 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 makes things uncomfortable for you and it makes it makes uh, it, it makes you just kind of you're afraid of what you don't see or what you're about to see and it's that unknown stuff because there's a there's that scene where it's done in shadow you can see this monster thing th- through the shadow and through the glass mm-hmm. um, like the it was a uh, like a like a foggy kind of glass sort of thing and you see that and that's much more horrifying than just some CG monster that you see like in the thing remake um, yeah the, you know it's it's so much better when it's done in uh like in the background or it's out of focus or whatever it is but it it, 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 when they go downstairs into that basement that never existed before Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the building they they go they don't they never really show a wide shot of the room but they just go the camera just kind of goes around the room and shows all these like Bloody things happening, and there's corpses like parts of corpses are all around and stuff, and it's like oh, that's yeah. much more that's that is much more freaky than uh just the just something that's that's there, and it's it's a cat jumping out of the thing or oh it's, yeah. It's, yeah you know a bang on the piano right. and uh and and then it's over with you know well it's,
3: it's they're definitely going for building atmosphere, which is I think there's a big difference between the horror movies that are really want to creep people out and build an atmosphere. And then the horror movies that are like you say, like people just want to go and eat popcorn and be scared for like 90 minutes and jump and laugh. And then that's it. Cause that's like uh, most of the typical horror movies that are in theaters now or that kind of thing where they do all the jump scares, and, you know, and at the end of it, everything's pretty much the same. It's like status quo, everything's happy, you know, whatever. Um, but there's not a lot of moodiness to it. You know, it's always just, any kind of mood is just heavy-handed done by, like, banging on the piano or just, like, ominous tones in the back. Um, but the filmmakers here really did do an excellent job crafting an atmosphere. And some of it probably does come from, I think, you know, Christian, you were talking about the budget and the fact that because mm. they had such a low budget, they probably had to shoot around things right. and do things in an interesting way because if you, you know, they don't have the luxury of being able to throw tons of money and, you know, throw a lot of visual effects in post-production or whatever, which, you know, again, I think the practical ones work so much better. And it also means they have to figure out a way to shoot them so they look the best they can possibly look. And I think that's actually a strength rather than a detriment because, like you said, we've, we've seen so many movies where they just do CGI effects and it just, there's no fear there because, first of all, there's that whole Uncanny Valley thing where you can tell it's not real. So right there, it's just a little less scary. Because right. there's no visceral quality to it,
1: right. and then you yeah. see too much,
3: and when when you don't see everything clearly, your eye, your mind fills in the blanks, and it's so much creepier. Right? Yeah,
5: I I, I loved the, I don't know what you could call it, but the backwards man or whatever that was crawling around on scene. I, I yeah. was like, fuck, <laughs> fuck, yeah. that's just that freaks me out. That's a thing of nightmares. Like that actually, I felt like was effective. I, I was like, oh my god, that that shit right there, that's a awesome. It's a guy. That's contorted and he's got makeup on and whatever, and it just looks rad. You know, it looks really fucking cool. Um, instead of like a CGI thing, which would just stick out like a sore thumb and just kind of be like, all right, well, that that does nothing for me. You know, it's just there. You know, um, you know it's just not as effective. It's not solid. You know, um, same thing with like the, the very, very last part where um, – You know, the the main baddie there, uh, Wyndham Earl. I I can't remember his name. Um, (laughs) But he's got all that makeup on, and it looks like it's just crazy looking. Like, he looks sort of kind of like a Hellraiser character a -hmm. little bit, but it's just, it looks, but it's not like, it's not like the, it's not flesh the same way. Like, it's really, it was strange, and I really enjoyed that too, because I was like, okay, that's interesting, because I thought at first it was flesh. And the lighting was hitting it a certain way to make it look that color, but then when it got up close, I was like, "Oh, it actually is that color." Mm. That's an interesting choice. So yeah, things he, like that. Uh,
4: it, it, I well, these guys have a pretty impressive resume. Um, mm-hmm. Both of them have worked on. They've, they're effects guys, and they've done work on like Jurassic Park and and a lot of a lot of really big. Budget movies, so they know they have like the technical aspects, and and I'm sure they've done their their fair share of CG work. But I think that they're just the fact that they wanted to put this in in such a visceral tone to it. I do think that uh,
3: they're they're definitely like experts at, at doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I think actually like the minimal CG that's in the movie is it's probably the weakest of the effects. Like the very end mm-hmm. when you see basically what's you know through the void on the other side. I thought that was. Probably, unfortunately, it was a weaker way to end it because there had been so much more strong uh, imagery and just so many more kind of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not not iconic, but like really uh, dramatic shots and really uh, interesting visuals that stick with you. And then the CG at the end was just, uh, you know, you you've seen that before. You know, it's like any kind of, most movies today that have any kind of like, science fiction or fantasy element will have a, you know, CG backgrounds and stuff. So I think that the the practical effects are the, the definitely for me, were the best part of the movie and the strongest suit. Well, I I like that,
1: um, for instance, you don't, after the doctor gets killed, um, through his transformation. And then towards the end, you never actually get a good look at him. Like mm -hmm. he's right in the center of shots oftentimes, but, you know, particularly towards the end where they had him silhouetted against the, the glowing white triangle,
0: yeah, where you yeah. can't
1: really see him, I was like, that's really effective, because mm. you want to, you're like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what's what's he look like, what, what happened to him, and you can see it, but not quite, and it's mm. the same way with when, um, whatever it was that he did to the nurse uh, wife, uh, <laughs> you, it, it, it appears that she has become part of the room, almost, but yeah. you don't quite see it like it's there and like the camera is looking at it but like the camera work is such in a good way that you're filling in a lot of the details and you're just kind of like that is creeping me out more than I think it probably would if I were looking at it straight on Um, I was really impressed by that Mm
4: -hmm. yeah and this is a lot like um, Stephen you you mentioned um, uh, Prince of Darkness Mm -hmm. it's structured basically the same and at the end of Prince of Darkness that was the most disappointing part for me as well. um, Just because it's like, okay, you get like, you know, you're getting to this like sideways pool and it looks like he's about to reach out and get out, get out of this pool. And you see, like, I think you see the creature's eye or whatever Mm -hmm. that's about to come out. And then of course it's broken. And then he's, then I guess, everything's back to normal. I think that's how the whole movie ends. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it, it did feel like a disappointment once they kind of, that was like pulling back the curtain all the way to show everything, and it's like I like the the ride there. Um, yeah, in that was just goop in a <laughs> jar. Yeah, yeah, it's like I like the ride there um, that uh, much more than I did when uh, when you got to see Into the Void. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, but yeah, I, I think I guess what I was talking about about not a sequel to this, but I was thinking about like I want to see. W- The perspective of the cult members. I want to Mm -hmm. see like, what's
3: you know? How do you get in that cult? (laughs) You know?
5: You want to join? (laughs)
3: <laughs> no, I <just laughs> my, my, my white sheet. That's not a KKK robe. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> it's like you know, it's it's weird because it, it's just uh, like I would be interested in, in just seeing that story. It seems like there's a story there to tell, or it's like, um, or the story of it, it sort of tells the story of the lady with the, the the pregnant lady, and then the guy that gets shot and killed earlier. Um, <laughs> they sort of tell those stories, but it's not totally there, uh, you know. So. It just seems like there's a lot more story to tell uh, with these guys, it seems.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I like them. (laughs) I was talking about it earlier in the kind of non-spoiler thing, but I like the way that they, like, start connecting everything in a way that actually, like, works. Like, so he ends up at that hospital because it's the nearest quasi-functional hospital, which makes sense because it's the hospital the bad guy's working at so yeah the cultists would be near there you know what i mean yeah. and like yeah. it's intentionally fucked up and then you later find out the pregnant girl is part of it too well yeah that's why she's at this abandoned that hospital like there was a whole lot of that like oh yeah that actually makes sense like yeah. once you get the basic like once they reveal the basic premise like which they don't for a long time you're like Oh, yeah, okay. Like, the fact that all this shit is kind of almost within walking distance and that they ended up in this place kind of makes sense, which, you know, you feel sort of bad. It's actually sort of, like, loops back around into, like, uh, Knives Chow, (laughs) the intern, and, like, the the dude high school student that just gets popped right at the beginning. Like, what bad luck to end up at this hospital because they have (laughs) nothing to do with anything. Like, they just ended up there by all accounts. Like, everybody else it's kind of there for a reason and there's like pre-existing relationships whereas they've just wandered into this horror movie basically yeah yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah you gotta feel for her <laughs> um, yeah and uh I it Feels like a random kind of setup, but yeah, there's intention behind almost everything that's that's going there. It's really cool. well, and
1: I also liked, um, and this goes back to the cult thing. Like, uh, I too would actually not necessarily relate to the void, but a movie where somebody gets sucked into that kind of cult would actually be an interesting take on it because, in this case, what the doctor is trying to do is resurrection and immortality. Like, that's not a hard sell. Like. Yeah. You know, like, the way they go about it's kind of bug-fuck crazy, but, like, <laughs> yeah. once you start seeing him, what he's actually capable of, even in the beginning, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I, I get it. Like, I, I can see why people would be into that, especially, that was one of those things where I think casting that actor worked, because he has such, a, like, a fatherly and charismatic presence. Like, it's very yeah. cult leadery, kind of, in its way, and you're like, yeah, I can kind of see it. Like... Especially, you know, when he starts doing actual, for lack of a better term, magic, uh, (laughs) you know, I I, kind of got that. I was like, okay, yeah, like, that actually makes sense. That's more so than a lot of movies where you're like, why the fuck are these people in this cult? Like, where are they getting out of that? (laughs) Like, no, like, I get that. (laughs) And, like, I like that his motivation was, like, kind of to end death and to resurrect his daughter and all that kind of stuff. For all, like, the weird shit that was going on, like there was kind of a human grounding to the villain that there often isn't in this kind of thing. Like, and again, I, I really think the casting Kenneth Walsh was like a great idea for that kind of stuff because mm. he really was fairly convincing to me in the idea of, I'm not doing this cause I enjoy hurting you. Like I am trying to make your life better and you're just too dumb to understand it. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. you, know, <laughs> you know, it just, it's just that his idea of better has become really perverse. Mm.
0: Yeah, Which, absolutely.
1: you know, kind of harks back to, like, Hellraiser. Like, uh, certainly in the first movie, um, and, and in, you know, the Hellbound Heart and stuff, like, the Cenobites are not evil. They're, they aren't. They're something beyond good and evil. And it's just that their conceptions of pain and pleasure are so alien to us that it becomes hell rather than, you know, really being hell. Um Which is kind of, you know, it's and and, in regards to The Void, I think it's kind of Lovecraftian in that regard, too, that there's this sense of this alien other morality kind of coming into play, albeit, you know, kind of focused through humans um, that I thought was interesting.
3: Yeah, because Lovecraft is all about, you know, there's no real good or evil. It's just the universe is kind of indifferent. And so what, you know, what they consider important is not anything compared, you know, it doesn't matter what we think is good or evil. And uh, you know a lot of a lot of people who came after Lovecraft, especially August Derleth, tried to um, assign like Christian values to it and say like, okay, well here's the good guys and here's the bad guys in Lovecraft's world. It's like there's not really any of that. Um, and you know, even talking earlier, uh, Mark about Providence, like that—that's addressed a lot in that comic book series. And that really does. There's a little bit of that in the void, I think, where you know the Doctor does really. Uh, Kind of go beyond what uh, you'd consider to be traditional, good or evil in his in his motivations, even though like turning people into monsters mm, yeah, probably not the best, yeah <laughs> probably yeah. not going to get that many uh, Christmas presents.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, that that in particular, like I said, like the whole thing is very Lovecraft, like from the entire like Lovecraft canon. But like you know, the Doctor very much reminded me of you know From Beyond and
0: uh, mm-hmm.
1: uh, Reanimator to an extent. You know, mm-hmm. I think it was, there was yeah. kind of a fusion of both of those. And you know, with the cultists it was kind of more with Cthulhu. And then there's kind of stuff beyond our world and like hidden knowledge and that kind of stuff. I like I said, I thought it was a very very good pastiche of everything Lovecraft. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and except without, for not, not a lot of tentacles, but, you I know, for the
3: most part. A lot of times people do Lovecraft stuff. You see, like, Lovecraft adaptations, and they're just terrible because they just think, like, oh, you just have to slap some tentacles and mention some, you know, mention Necronomicon, and there you go. It's Lovecraft. So yeah. this one captured a lot more of the tone without having to name drop Cthulhu or you Neolaholotep know, or anything else like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. For something that's not actually part of the mythos, I thought it was much closer to them than most of the adaptations of Lovecraft that I've seen. So, I don't um, have a lot of experience say...
2: with uh, Lovecraftian horror. Uh, I just, for some reason, it never really spoke to me. Um, the whole Cthulhu thing and the tentacle monsters and what have you. It just—I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Uh, to be fair, I've never read any of the stories or anything. I wonder if maybe I should delve into that.
4: Well I think what what works with with Lovecraft is that he doesn't really do a lot of description of what these horrible evil things are and it, he leaves it up to you to kind of uh kind of put it all together. So it's like there's no there's there's descriptions of like I guess like tentacles and uh and
3: but it's always like an un, unimaginable horror. Yeah, an
2: unspeakable uh, and, horror. Yeah. Which,
3: you, you know, know. again and when people would write past each of him it would become kind of a cliche and kind of laughable because like you'd have the, the narrators who would be writing this down. And as they're being attacked by monsters, they write things like, Oh, tentacles, three lobed burning eye. can't, Oh, uh, well, uh, indescribable. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they're writing all that as they're being murdered. Okay. That's, that's something. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they, there's definitely just a sense of the fact that there's more out there and there's, there's more out there that we can't comprehend. And the void, I think Really does a good job of of tackling that theme and doing it while still you know bringing a lot of t- kind of traditional horror stuff again like we you know John Carpenter I keep coming back to him because like there's Prince of Darkness in there there's obviously a lot of thing in there yeah and uh, it's just the... oh so
1: it's sold on uh assault on Precinct Nineteen
3: yeah or Thirteen Is it yeah
1: 19? I thought it was.
4: A precinct 13 maybe 13, i don't, one of those sorry bad, so, one yeah. number yeah <laughs> one of those numbers but uh yeah and uh, i think that's like a uh carpenter thing it's like he's been sort of retelling that story in one way or another like so many times it's always a group of people they're trapped in a small lo- in, a, in a location and some weird shit's happening outside mm-hmm. and then it creeps inside basically and that's that's pretty much that could sum up Ten of his movies that he's done, which is—it's cool that he can still. I mean, it's a—it's a concept that works. You know, uh, it's—it's. I thought it was. uh, I didn't like Ghost of Mars that much, but he used it in Ghost of Mars as well. So yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah, I thought it was really strange in Halloween when, uh, or Halloween two when all of a sudden Mike Myers had tentacles. (laughs) <laughs> mm.
4: <laughs> no, but it, it's very much. This is very much like Halloween too, though. It's like it's even the same location. I mean, there. It's he's outside, and then he's he's creeping inside, and, and it's it's a, on a smaller scale. But it's still it's like not a lot of. I think that's what makes Michael Myers so interesting in those first couple of movies is because not a lot is really explained about him. Mm-hmm. And then the last couple of movies went into the cult sort of thing as, as well. So,
1: which uh, I I think was a mistake. <laughs> Yeah. I. Uh, oh, always. I even think. Um, I. I even think like the the Laurie connection was a mistake. It's weird, right? Because yeah. like, Halloween came out the year I was born. Same. Um, and uh, so it's always been around, right? So like, I was familiar with like the idea that Laurie was his sister. Like, I don't ever remember not knowing that. Yeah. But if you go back and watch Halloween without that, and like. It's funny, like, how weird and fucked up and, like, alien Michael Myers actually is. Like, just the, like, he's just fucking with them for so much of the movie. Like, and there's no no explanation, and, like, it doesn't really follow, like, a human logic train, but there's this other logic that you can kind of discern. Um, it's just the difference between what people, not you guys, but like in general, there's this, what we think Michael Myers is, which is sort of the accretion of like the pop culture version and the version that's been in the rest of the movies yeah. versus what's in that first fucking movie. Right. Which is really weird and creepy. Um, and it was so much more effective when it was just that it, when his only connection to Lori was that he just saw her and decided I'm going to fuck with that babysitter. Like,
4: yeah. <laughs> That's something much more sc- that scarier than, uh, than, yeah, that's my sister. <laughs>
1: well, you know, Halloween is also one of those examples of, like, where I think uh, budget was causing them to do things that were much more effective. Because, like, when Loomis and the nurse roll up the insane asylum in the middle of the fucking night, and all the patients are just outside wandering around, you're like, well, that ain't good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm guessing that's because they couldn't afford to film, like, in a ho- in a mental hospital, like scene, like <laughs> right. it's just cheaper yeah. to get extras in in white things and put them behind a fence. Um, <laughs> and there's scenes where like Loomis kind of rolls up on like the Michael Myers aftermath, and I get the sense that those were there to like save budget. But like you say see Loomis doing something like when he's looking at the truck that Michael Myers got like his jumping oh, yeah. from, yeah. and it like pans back and like oh he's murdered some shit. Like all right, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep.
4: No, it's true. Yeah, I think that. Uh, yeah, and same thing with with the void. I think it's it, it is that creativity that that comes from just not having the cash to to kind of show everything. And uh, uh, I almost wish that. I mean, I'm sure they're happy that they got their their crowdfunding and everything, but I wish that it it they did it. Uh, you know, it, I wish they kind of had that. It felt like once they had the money and they did the CG stuff, that did kind of uh, it it hindered it a bit. Um, but uh, was... made it made it not a perfect movie i it still made it a great movie, but it made it uh not perfect the problem was... oh, it's not i uh
1: i in particular did not like the crazy dude and the non talking guy um <laughs> and it's not that I didn't like the characters as such like there were two things which is one i genuinely like did not get what their fucking like relationship was like i guess they were father and son and the mother and maybe another family member got murdered by the cult and they went on for revenge but there's no sense to me if that's what's happening that they are father and son before you get that revelation hmm. and also the father in particular does one thing that I can't hate which is just doesn't answer questions for no good reason at all which just <laughs> drives me insane I was like yeah. like there's this bit at the beginning where he's like I don't know who I can trust but like there's stuff that comes up later, like, there's no point in you not telling us what the fuck you know about, like, right now. Like, Everybody you're just down, not talking talk, to not talk to keep the mystery going. And it really drove me nuts. Yeah. Well, I think Clearly it also,
4: also, trouble. those guys were not the, the, the best of actors, I don't think. Uh, it's not Nothing too much against them, but uh, they were, compared to some of the other actors on the movie, they were definitely kind of, like, the, the least... The least Kind of talented ones. I I
1: I agree. I I thought not talking guy, the son was fine because you know didn't talk. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but like that was the other thing, right? Was like the father guy. Like I I can kind of work out the logic, right? But I think a lot of it was the actor, which was he came across as like way too gung ho and like macho, like tough guy versus what I think was implied. By the end, was oh, this guy just lost everything tonight and he's lost his fucking mind. Like, yeah. Which I think is the explanation. I basically like, thought, I saw, those was, two
4: it... guys. I, I saw those two guys as basically the survivors <laughs> of the two movies that happened before The Void, basically. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Well, you know, I
2: wanted to bring that up. That's something I've been wanting to discuss on this on this show is the fact that when we get into it, it feels like the end of another film. And I, I really – I absolutely love how we're just thrown into the climax of an entirely different film uh, and this almost feels like the sequel to a movie I haven't watched, which yeah. knowing that it isn't that makes me really appreciate it. Uh, I, I I love when I'm just thrown in and I have to try and catch up with the story and the filmmakers and it's not just spoon-fed to me. So... I was... Oh, I
1: agree. I, um... I really like, uh... I'm a real big fan of John Wick, um... It's oh, my God. sensible person should be. Yeah. Yes. And one of the things I love about John Wick is you get that sense that you're watching, like, the third or fourth movie in a series.
0: But yeah, in a right. good way. Like, yeah.
1: like, the world seems so developed, and there's so much story that's going on before the story you're seeing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that about The Void, too, that we just kind of, like, kick right into the – and we are. Like, if you look at it, like, yeah, there's a story that's been going on for a while that we're just seeing the last hour of.
0: hmm <laughs> like,
1: you know, oh, yeah, by
2: the way, yeah. that guy that nobody seems to like, uh, The Father, is literally, the name of his character is The Father. His name is Daniel Fathers, and he was yeah. actually in another movie that I just recently watched on Netflix and was really pleasantly surprised by, called Pontypool.
5: Oh. oh. Cool. Yeah, I like that one.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, he? was
0: he
3: in that? Who is was yeah. he in
2: Pontypool? Uh, let's see, I'm trying to scroll back to figure out where, oh, he was Nigel Healing, whoever that is.
4: Um, I God, I don't even remember maybe, that. Yeah, I don't either. I have to revisit that movie, too. I haven't seen it in a well. while. That's mean, another movie that frustrated the hell out of, me, out of me by the end of it, but I loved the lead-up, the, the whole lead-up to it.
2: Pontypool? Yeah. Yeah, it felt like a very Grant Morrisonian sort of horror film. Yeah. Uh, no. Any last words on The Void, my friends?
1: Check it out. Get it. Definitely worth watching. All right. Yeah.
4: Agreed.
2: All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Cannibal HorrorCast. You can check out Justin Jordan where? Uh,
1: Justin Jordan Comics on Facebook. Uh, I am Justin underscore Jordan at Twitter, and I've written a shit ton of comics that you can read uh, at any comic book store. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Oh, specifically Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, which is my comic book store.
1: There you go. (laughs) Yeah, definitely
2: pick up uh, the Luther Strode trilogy as well as Spread. They're both fucking awesome. And uh, Christian Dabari, where can we find you? On the internet.
5: <laughs> uh, you, can, you can just find me on Twitter, <laughs> at Chris Dabari. Um, and, yeah, I think it was just this past Wednesday was issue three of Magdalena uh, yep. from Top Cow Image, Teeny nice. Howard, Ryan Cady, me, Mike Spicer. Uh, one more issue to go, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we can come back for a second arc. So- oh, it's just a mini not not really. It's the way they're working it is ARC based. Okay. So we'll come back for issue five, six, seven, eight, you know, uh-huh. if uh if you know There's the demand. sales are there. Cool man. So yeah, so far it's been good. It's been positive. We're happy, so you know.
1: Oh, yeah. I have a Ryan Katie story. It's quick and it's horror related. Can I tell it? <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> yes. I was I was at a con with Ryan Katie. Ryan and I are friends. Um, And I saw he was in the bathroom, and he was bent over, washing his hands in the sink. He had no idea it was there. So I creep up until I just gently brush up against him, and he looks up. And I go, Bloody Mary in the mirror, and he screamed like a little girl. <laughs> it is my favorite moment of yes. 2017 so far, and I really wanted to share it with a national audience. <laughs> I,
5: think he, Just, I think he mentioned it uh, briefly, but he wouldn't say who did that. Someone scared me. I don't want to talk about it, is what he texted. <laughs> yeah, I, I think
1: but, I might have broke him a little. Uh,
5: <laughs> yes, yes. I, you, you've to gotta,
1: you, I realize this is a podcast. If you guys Google... what. Ryan Katie actually looks like, which he's this beautiful baby faced boy, like just him screaming in terror in a dark bathroom. Uh, it was beautiful.
3: That's hilarious. Awesome.
2: Nice. Uh, Stephen Andrade.
3: Yes. I'm here.
2: Oh my God. Uh, where can we <laughs> find your work?
3: I can go to my website, Um Got some new stuff up there. Um, by the time this podcast is up, I think the show will be up at Gallery 1988 in Los Angeles. They are doing a show in conjunction with the podcast "How Did This Get Made?" where uh, every artist picks one of the terrible movies they talk about in an episode, and I have created a print to go along with their podcast on the Toby Hooper movie "Life Force." Not- oh which God, is that fucking a movie. wonderful terrible movie! Oh, I, yes. hate- I couldn't get through uh, it. Naked vampire. Naked, alien, space
2: vampire. So awesome. And Mark underscore L underscore Miller,
4: where can we find you? Uh, I'm usually sitting on my couch feeling sorry for myself. (laughs) Uh, you can find me on Ain't It Cool. Uh, I still do my horror column every Friday. Um, and uh, here on this podcast with, with you, JD, I usually I do a couple of those with you. And uh, also, I have a new comic coming out in the fall. I can't really talk about it yet, but um, we'll talk about it at, at, at San Diego. But uh, it's for Black Mask, and it's a horror horror book, that, and I can't wait for it to come out. It's going to be awesome.
2: Thanks. and uh as for me you can follow me on twitter at jd's hero complex you can come visit my comic shop in manny pennsylvania uh johnny destructo's hero complex 4456 main street um, cool. and that's kind of it you can also check out our other podcasts on the cult pop network there's spoiler alert there's gutter talk and uh this one the cannibal horror Cast. so thank you so much for joining us and we will talk at you later until next time smoke drugs
0: have premarital sex and hey why not go check out that strange noise in the face what's the worst that can happen